Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm starting a series that, I, you know, I don't really know I have a full title yet, um, but the kingdom in the heart, you know, today I'm looking at it as the kingdom is near. You know, this is the concept of the kingdom is near that I, I want to start talking about today. Now, a lot of times I'll come in, have some very practical things, give you something that's nice bow on it, and then, and then you go home and you practice your power stance or something like that, you know. Today is going to be kind of the beginning of, a, of a, a process, you know. I'm in process thinking about these kinds of things, but, it, but these are the pieces that we're going to start with, and that is that Jesus showed up to preach the kingdom. Really, ultimately, what he wanted to do and did was preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so, you know, some ideas about kingdom I'm thinking about, as I was praying about this, God spoke to me about the prodigal, the prodigal son. If you don't know that story... It's a story of a, a son whose father was a, basically a king, just a man with a lot of great wealth. And this kid wanted his inheritance now. And so he convinced his dad to give him his portion of his inheritance, and he just went and lived like a fool for a long time and blew it and wasted it. And then in his, came to his right mind eventually and thought, you know what, a servant in my father's house is way better than out here eating his pig slop. And so he decided to go back to his father to try to maybe be accepted back in and at least serve in that household, the servant mentality. You know, Jesus says, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Obviously, we serve people and we serve God, but the, how you should see your relationship with him as you're serving is as a son, as a daughter of the Most High God a child of the king. Amen? And so this guy went back thinking, well, you know, maybe he'll accept me. Maybe he won't. I don't know. I've really messed up. But what did his father do? Those of you that know the story, he, go, he goes back to open arms. The father warmly embraces him. The father brings him in. And even that which he blew was not even an issue. He had access to even more. In fact, everything that the father had was his still. And he just didn't even know that. You know, he had separated himself in his mind from his father and was living out there all the time he had this kingdom he could be living in. You know, he's the one that drifted away. And a lot of times we make the prodigal about God's love and God's acceptance, and it is that. But for this, I felt like God was showing me there is a whole realm over here that we can be experiencing, and it's not over here or over there as we're talking about. You know, Jesus said the kingdom doesn't come with outward observation. You're not going to say, oh, there it is coming, or there it here comes from over there. It's in you. He says it's in your midst. So we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. I want to talk about, I love the quantum stuff, and you start looking at how the quantum realm operates, and you can learn. You know, like, like I think if Jesus were here, he would be teaching us, you know, scientific parables. Like his analogies wouldn't necessarily, it'd always be seed, but it would be, how does humanity affect creation and, you know, dominion and all that kind of stuff? So that's one idea. <clears throat> Prodigal had access to this family, really, 
this whole life that he could be living in if he just changed the attitude of how he saw himself and how he saw his relationship with the Father. And then the other thing was this, and, you know, this is, this is just a sad reality of life, people. People transition and people move on. We've, we've all lost loved ones, and, it, you know, you never get over it. You just never get over it. And I wish that I should still have my, I've got my redneck knife up here. I don't usually wear that while I'm preaching. Anyway, so I interrupt myself. If you're a visitor, I just interrupt myself. But, but you, th- you know, you think about, you think about where are, where are, what's the connection? Are they aware? Are they aware? You know, are we connect? You think about that great cloud of witnesses, and so you, when you think kingdom, you think, what does it look like for this life? But you also think beyond in eternity, that spiritual connection that we have. Jesus is ruling and reigning within His kingdom, but we're connected to it. He's in us. He's with us. He's leading us. He's teaching us. When He talked about sending us the Holy Spirit. It was relational. Everything that Jesus describes of the function of the Holy Spirit, it's relational. He'll speak to you. He'll remind you of things. He will lead you and guide you. He'll show you things to come. It's all relational things, you know, interactive. It's not he'll whip you when you miss it. You know, it's not, it's not, it's corrective, but it's leading. It's relational. So you think about, okay, what does the kingdom look like? How do I interact in it now? But yet there's that other side or higher, you know, you can think of kingdom when you, the word kingdom is realm or rule or the extent to which that king's authority reaches. That's kingdom. That's dominion. And where does God's, where does God's rule reach? Everything. These are all ideas going around, but the second idea, uh, there's prodigal, this realm, this family that we could be living in that we've detached ourselves from. But then also, I had this experience. Um, well, I didn't have it. I met, it was somebody that we love. I don't know if you guys remember George and Wanda. They haven't been here for a few months because she's been pretty sick, probably watching online. But she's transitioning. She's in hospice care and, you know, on her way out and um, lived a long life. Her family's, you know, with her. George is there with her. If you haven't met George, you probably see him online. George, this is not George in Kenya, but George online. George online, we'll call him that. (laughs) But I went over there to visit, and he told me this story that uh, Wanda was sitting there and looked and started talking about Jesus, or she was laying there, looked and looked at a wall, just a blank wall, no picture, nothing, no windows, nothing, and started talking about Jesus. And, you know, she's suffering with dementia. She's not, you know, not completely seeing everything that's there. And and he looked over, and, you know, he's trying to meet her where she is, and, and, and he said, well, are you talking about a picture? And she said, no, he's right there. And she went on to describe him, that he was standing there, he's smiling, she can see his eyes, and George said, well, does he have his arms out? Because it's okay, it, you can go with him if you want to. And she said, no, he's just standing there looking at me, smiling. I, wh- wow, that is so real. That is more real than these temporary lives that we have. That is a real connection that we have. You know, there's a, there's a section of Christianity that tries to fabricate phenomenon like that or try to frenzy worship our way into an emotional experience. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, anyway, I'll just keep going. 
He's real and he's right there with us. We don't have to try to fake it. You don't have to feel bad about yourself if you're not having those kinds of encounters. But I'm telling you, when you hear something like, could you see him? Like when I'm describing that, could you see him? He's there. He's real. He is right here, right now. And my prayer is that I get out of the way and let him talk. That's why we're here. We're here to focus on him, to remember him, to be shaped more into his image. He's given us everything that we need to be transformed. He's transformed us in spirit, and now he's leading us and guiding us, and we just shed more junk, shed more junk, and just reflect more and more of his glory, you know? I mean, I have a positive, optimistic expectation of the future. We might have some bad years ahead of us, whatever. I don't really care. His kingdom is growing and increasing. The kingdom is near. Amen? And we have access to it. And we can get weird and try to make stuff up. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's made up or not. You hear stories about, well, you know, off to the left of the throne of God, he's got a body parts room. If you need a nose, you just go in there and get you a nose. If you need a toe, just go get you a toe. Whatever, you know, that's fine. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? We, we get distracted. Literally, you're looking at the face of God sitting on a throne, and then you look at a body part room. It's like, isn't that indicative of how weird we make it? Focus on him. That, and that's really the kind of final thought of what this next three to four weeks is going to be is Jesus. As we behold him, we become more and more like him. He has made us his mirror image in our spirit. We are the offspring of God in our spirit. Jesus has done the work to complete us. If you die right now, you don't need to do one thing to be forever, eternally accepted with God. Some of you evaluated it for a minute. It's like, what? Trust me, what could you do to improve on what he's done? Not one thing. So kingdom. I've got a ton of scriptures, and so I'm just going to click through these real fast. Now, you know, we'll post these up so you can go back through and meditate on these. Next week, we're going to talk about the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. It's about him. You know, we, well, let me get that spirit of wisdom and revelation, but it's in the knowledge of him. You stay focused on him, you operate in that. You, you have the knowledge to receive the revelation, to operate in him. So we'll look at some of those things. So you ready? All right, here we go. Mark 1.14, <clears throat> Jesus shows up on the scene. After the arrest of John, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. You don't hear that phrase all that often, the gospel of God. I love that. The time is, these are red letters, this is Jesus. The time is fulfilled. That, I mean, that's a whole eight-part series right there. I'll touch on it in just a minute, a little bit. But the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. What gospel? That the kingdom of God is near. That's the gospel that he wants people to believe the kingdom's here. Now, what does repent mean? Change your mind. Really, literally, what Jesus is saying, he's like, all right, look, you guys, you guys have got to change how you're thinking because no longer is this sacrificial Levitical priesthood happening where you're going to run down there and take your goats and your doves and your bulls 
and that temporary blood. God's not even pleased with that stuff anyway. He desires greater than that. This is about the kingdom. You know, you almost wish that Jesus could have spoken more plainly about certain things like Paul was able to, but a lot of it's in parable and we get, you know, he did say, he's like, I got all kinds of things to tell you. You can't hear it, but my spirit will teach you. Thank God for Paul. Amen. And the rest of the fellows too. And the women. Anyway, here we go. So what gospel? The gospel of the kingdom being near. So when he says the time is fulfilled, what's he talking about? Let's look at Daniel 2, starting in 44. In the time of those kings, you know, this is, um, Daniel is interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so he's speaking to a king, and this is what's happening. This is Daniel speaking, interpreting the king's dream. Uh, so this is a portion of the dream that he's interpreting. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Jesus shows up and he says, the time is fulfilled. Boom. I mean, think about that. We're waiting for some future kingdom. No, Jesus says the time is now. The kingdom is now. You got to change the way that you think. Now, obviously, there's a return. There's a shifting. There's a change of all that. I'm not trying to preach some kind of full preterist thing, if you even know what that is, where there's no future, final judgment, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not even really going to get into all that kind of stuff. We're just focusing on the kingdom and what Jesus said about it and where we are in it. Uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left open to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Whatever kingdom might come against past, present, future will not prevail. We focus so much energy and effort in trying to understand what the future is going to look like. You know what it looks like? The kingdom of God is what it looks like. This is the meaning of the... So earlier there was a portion about this rock being cut out, cast into the earth, and a mountain grows. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron. What, who's the rock? The bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future, the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. That's the picture. There is a kingdom. Jesus is this rock that has been cast into the earth that smashed the statue and the dream and the vision of Nebuchadnezzar that represented worldly kingdoms. Whether they be past, present, or future, that rock smashes all other kingdoms and grows to take over the entire earth. That's where we are. We are participating in the increase of the kingdom to which there shall be no end. Amen? So then after the resurrection, Jesus says this, Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just to make it clear as day, Jesus is the king of heaven and earth. Ephesians 2, 6, now it's still kingdom, starting to look at kind of our place in this. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 6, and God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, we, a lot of times this is taught as resurrected, like you have been resurrected with Christ. You haven't been resurrected yet. 
you have resurrection life in you, but this phrase, having been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms, it's a position of authority. It's not talking about you're going to be raised with him in the final. It's talking about now that Christ has turned to you. He has the keys to the kingdom. He is Lord of all creation and beyond. And then he turns to you and he raises you up with him to share in his authority. You are an inheritance. You have an inheritance with the saints in light. This is pulpit commentary says this. I, I like sometimes commentaries are okay. Anyway, in my opinion. This is pretty cool. As God placed Jesus at his right hand in heaven, so has he placed his people with him in heavenly places. Not how do I, you know, phase into heaven and, oh, I see heaven now, you know, and I'm in a different place. No, he's talking about authority. Right now, where you sit, the king of heaven and earth is joined to you if you've said yes to him. And you rule and reign with him. And it starts in this life. He's given you dominion. You are an ambassador, fully backed by him to go into this earth and represent him and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, when we hear this, a lot of us charismatic types, we start transitioning over into, you know, miracles and the gifts in action. I start with righteousness, peace, and joy. Experiencing the kingdom is not necessarily wonderful, incredible miracles. That's part of it. But it starts with in you, righteousness, peace, and joy flourishes. You want to see miracles? Start letting righteousness, peace, and joy rule and reign in your heart and in your mind. Matthew 16, 19. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What? Authority. This is a statement of authority. Whatever you bind in earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This, this binding and loosing, you know, we, we get, again, we get nutty with this type of stuff and we think we got to go tie up demons, ask them what their name is, and throw them at the foot of Jesus and make them submit to him. But it never once says that. What, this is like a Jewish terminology. And what it's talking about, there's two kind of different versions that it's talking about. One is binding and loosing was the rabbi's right to read the law and talk about how it should be put into practice with his disciples. So in other words, the right to interpret and disseminate and teach people about the word of God is the Jewish perspective. But then if you look at it in the Greek as well, it talks about Whatever you agree with, you know, it, it's a mirror of Jesus praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you see it in heaven, you have the right to pray that this earth be affected by heaven, by that kingdom, for you to experience life on this planet as it is in heaven. I mean, it, it's incredible. This stuff is really challenging. But then you look at Jesus, and he went around. I mean, Peter, think about this. Peter walked on water. And he began to sink. You don't begin to sink. You step off, you go down. Think about that. He began to sink. Why? We all know he took his eyes off Jesus. Jesus is right here. He's transcending this world. 
Now, we make it about the water walking, and that's pretty cool. But it's really about when you're focused on Jesus, you just you transcend this world. I, again, I'm not trying to make us all charismatics and running out and trying to walk on water and trying to grow legs out. We could do that too. But it's like, no, I need to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, where I am in Him. You know, because it means something. It matters. I have the authority and the right to go into this earth and tell people, you are forgiven. Colossians 1.12 giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you, say qualified, to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us, or King James says translated us, or that's later. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves or translated us into the kingdom, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then, so you put all of that together, what's he doing? You know, the kingdom, where is the kingdom? People have experience. I mean, even Steve Jobs. Did you guys hear that story? You know, Steve Jobs, the Apple guy, when he passed away, his family, his sister even verified this, that when he was on his deathbed, he was looking at his sister and, and family members, and, and, and they noticed that his eyes went past them. You know, if you're looking at somebody, but your eyes kind of go past them. He was looking past them, and three times he said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, and died. Exactly. Wow. I have a friend who has struggled with illness his entire life, has had all kind of, you know, a very profound ministry and just very effective minister and got to a point where he was pretty sick and he was sitting on his sofa and these two big old figures just came walking through the wall and looked at him and they said, uh, you can come on with us if you're ready. And he said, thought about it and he said, no, I don't, I don't think I'm quite ready yet. And they turned around and walked away. I'm serious. This man would not make this stuff up. Now, you can get really excited about that and go try and make those things happen and think that you're less than because that hasn't happened to you. You don't want that to happen to you. You don't want to be in the place where that might happen to you. So, so all of that, you know, kingdom, all of this stuff swirling around, I think we already know. Ephesians 2.19 starting in, and then this is kind of the outgrowth of this. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens, say fellow citizens, with God's people and also members of his household. See, it's, we have to, you have to change. Repentance is less about feeling guilty for your sin and more about putting on your, your identity. Put on this righteousness. You have been created in the image of God, truly holy and righteous. Put it on. Put on that identity. Own it. Embrace it. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn your way into it, but he gave it to you. Put it on. Somebody give me one amen. amen. Goodness. Consequently, all right, so built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief. I know, I know what happened. I know you get to thinking. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm just lightening the mood for a minute there. But 
you, you, you do. You start thinking, well, what does this mean? You know? Now, when you start dreaming and you get a little bit of inspiration happening, pay attention to the thoughts that follow that about yourself because your heart will then start serving up to you what you really believe about yourself. So you start getting inspired and excited and you start thinking about kingdom and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, here's this other image of, of yourself, whatever that might be, good, bad, whatever. Pay attention to that because your heart's going, but what about this? Let's think about this. You know, this is why I'm in Christ. You, know, you have this self-portrait on the inside of you and whatever you face in life, it's always going to pull you back to the state that you believe that you deserve that you believe that you are. That's why I hate this preaching that constantly tells people that you're a sinner, that God's mad at you. You tell people that they're a sinner, that God's waiting to judge them, how are they going to behave? They're going to behave like a sinner, afraid of God. You teach them the truth that you are a child of the kingdom. God has delivered you from the power of darkness. You have no excuse to give in to that sin. You are not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Now, when you start thinking that way, guess what you're going to do? You're going to live that way. And see, you're not trying to make it true. You're trying to believe that it is true already of you. You're putting on this righteous identity. Amen? This robe of righteousness that you have. Built on, uh, let's see, in him. See, again, in him. The focus is always in him. Kingdom living is always about keeping your eyes focused on Jesus, acknowledging who he is, trusting who he is. You need healing, he's the healer. Focus on him. As you connect with him, it rises up in your body. You need provision, seek first the kingdom. Everything else is added to you. You're not seeking it as if it's out there. He already said it's not out there. Who's going to go get it and bring it down? It's in you. How do you seek the kingdom? and his righteousness. I'm telling you, there, the Bible says the same thing through different people in so many areas. The idea of seeking the kingdom and his righteousness is the exact same thing as you being told, put on the righteousness of God. It's the same thing. The way you seek the kingdom is you look in, well, there it is. That's pretty easy. I found it. Here it is. Now put it on. Are you with me? Like we have all these splintered doctrines that we complicate it, but it's saying the same thing in so many places. I, I, love, I love when I, my brain catches it. You're like, oh, well, this is the same thing what Jesus said over here, you know? All right. Uh, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Ultimately, what he's talking about is this collective body that Christ is the head of rising into this holy temple of God in this planet. You know, when, when scholars talk about Eden, you know, that, that, that Adam and Eve were in in the beginning, they describe it as a mountain, that it was a place, it was God's mountain. Eden was God's mountain that they were removed from. You know, heaven is always described as a heaven on earth is always described as this mountain. And I just see this holy temple of God. It is the mountain rising up and affecting this world. You know, I'm not I'm not not necessarily one of these people that thinks that 
the church is just going to grow brighter and brighter and brighter, and all of a sudden the kingdom's revealed, and boom, then it's somehow transited, like we're all going to gain the capacity of immortality or something like that. I'm not saying that. If you've heard that, whatever, you can believe that if you want. That, that, you know, fine. I don't really know. All I know is what he's saying right now and what to expect. And I expect his kingdom is increasing, and the increase of it will have no end. Amen? In him, you are being built together. He's talking about the whole body to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, the devil has us so splintered. The enemy is working overtime in churches to point the finger. You boys aren't interpreting it right. Well, you're not doing this right. And we're not being built into this holy temple of the living God growing in his body to reflect his kingdom in this earth. Matthew 4.12. I got, I got several more. I'm going to keep going. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill that what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Okay, so Jesus went and did all these things to fulfill something that Isaiah said. Say, what did Isaiah say? What did Isaiah say? All right. It says this, verse 15. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the... No, the reason I'm going into this is because remember when Jesus said the time is fulfilled? It was a throwback to the, prophecy, the, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar that God said, when the time comes, the kingdom. Again, this is another tie to that same idea. Land of Zebul uh, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. A lot of people push that into the future. Watch this. From that time... That time, so the people have seen a great light in the darkness, is that time of Jesus going and preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Isaiah 9.1, this is where it said what Isaiah said. I know it's a lot, packing your brain, it's all saying the same thing. That is, Jesus is the king. He's brought his kingdom near. You are in it. This is just verifying more that it's here now. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. I, man, I, I'm telling you, when's the last time you heard that promise? No more gloom. Think about that. What does gloom feel like? Ugh. Gloom. It's daunting, isn't it? Gloom. Just like, you got the stank face and gloom. Ugh. No more. Wow. For those who were in distress, in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, say now, he will honor Galilee of the nations, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Skip down to verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and 
forever. When did that time on start? It was when the people in Zebulon saw the great light that came upon their darkness. And Jesus said, this is the time that Isaiah was talking about. You have seen this great light. And when this great light comes, God is establishing his kingdom. And I'll add, if it's in you, it starts by being established in you. It starts by you putting on your identity in him. Don't you dare let anything, your behavior, the well-versed preacher, your mama, anybody <laughs> tell you that you are a sinner disappointing God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus has taken every ounce of wrath and judgment toward sin for you. Now, if you want to be a dummy and run out and use that freedom as an occasion to the flesh and use it as an excuse for sin, well, you just go on with your dummy self. But, you know, I don't think anybody's really trying to do that. I don't think anybody's really saying, whoa, look how free I am. Give me the crack pipe, you know. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. See, I hope the picture that you're getting is you're part of something that is growing and increasing now and will never end. We're waiting for it to start. Let it start in your heart. Regardless of if externally we don't experience it, that's going to happen. We still live in a broken world. Not everything is just going to be, boom, heaven on earth. This heart, we got to believe. We have to trust God. There's circumstances. There's adverse things. The enemy is still running rampant. We still have all of that going. But this kingdom is increasing, of which there will be no end. <clears throat> God's kingdom is increasing. Luke 17, 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. All right, now, now over the next few weeks, I want to start thinking about, all right, so we understand that the kingdom has been established because Christ has come to the earth. It is increasing, and it's not ever going to end, and nothing will ever defeat it, and as long as you are in him, you will never experience anything other than what is in the kingdom. Amen? All right, so the coming kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, there it is. It's not coming out of the vents as gold dust and you get to go there. It's not over there where revival and you got to go get some down there because they got more of it over there or revival's happening. No. <laughs> Please. If that happens... Cool, whatever. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, whatever. But it's not, oh, there's the kingdom of... It's, no, it's in me. You see some outward manifestation, it's like, that ain't nothing compared to what's in heaven. You know? I mean, it's fine if you see that kind of stuff, but it's like, don't get distracted. Stay focused. Finally, Luke 13, 18, then Jesus asked, what is... Now, this is, this is the challenging part. 
because this is the actual working out. I mean, it's, it feels good, right, to start preaching about, oh, the kingdom's increased and never going to end. Praise God. Woo! But then it's like, okay, well, how do I experience it? Uh-oh. That's where we're going over the next few weeks. I'll just tell you, I don't really know. That's between you and God. But I know what he says it's like. You know, Jesus, you put it down for just a minute, please. Maybe just on that first one. But Jesus is like, when he teaches about the law, I mean, it's like boom, 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 boom. When he's teaching about certain things and he's reviewing topics, it's very clear. It's didactic teaching. It's methodical. It's to the point. It's intellectual. But when he starts talking about the kingdom, he's like, well, you know, it's like this. And it's like that. Why? Because you don't get it intellectually. You don't get it by understanding it with your mind. You're just not. You'll get revelation as you experience it. The understanding comes later. You know, you, there's a peace that passes understanding. It's not that you check your brain out and say, well, I guess I'll just settle for peace. I don't get to understand, but I'll settle for peace. That's kind of what we, it's like, no. Peace is better than understanding. Peace, there's no doubt. When you're at peace, there's no question. You don't need, it's not that you don't want understanding. It's like peace gives you understanding also. It's a package deal right? It's like, it's, you just know. There's just things, you just, you just settle, right? You just know. That's what peace does for you. That is kingdom. Being settled, having some things settled in your mind and in your heart. You may not see it in your external life, and if you are so beaten up by religion, some people might even get you to question your salvation based on your performance. Oh yeah, well, I don't think a, I don't think a child of God would do that and you're doing that, I don't think you're saved. Oh, maybe I'm not saved. You ever, you ever been in the church like that? You ever question your own salvation because of your performance? You ever heard a sermon? Okay, let's keep going. Adam made some strong coffee this morning. I'm telling you, I can feel it. Stacy, thank you. Last passage, wrap it up here. We want to experience it. We don't just want to understand it. We don't just want to know it. We want to, in a real way, experience really ultimately life with our Father on this planet. Life that is infused with the Spirit of God. Life on this planet in a real way that's not flaky. And when we try to tell people about it, it's, you know, I mean, you're going to sound weird when you talk about it, but I mean, real kingdom interaction, real interaction with the Spirit of God where you're experiencing transformation. You're bearing that kind of fruit that he talks about that you can't bear unless you abide in him. You know what I mean? Like real tangible stuff here. So talking about that the next few weeks, but this is the idea of it. He asked, what's the kingdom of God? They asked him, what's the kingdom of God like? He, he said, what shall I say? What shall I compare? You know, Jesus is like, what? Mm, let me think about that for a minute. What shall I compare? He, I don't think he was faking. I think he had to kind of connect and get some inspiration from God. It's like, all right, look, I'm going to have to say this in such a way where you, there's an opportunity, you might miss it. But I'm going to put it out there, and, and I hope you catch it. Many times Jesus would teach, and he'd say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. One guy came to him, asked him what he needed to do to inherit the kingdom, enter the kingdom. He said, well, for you, you need to do this because money's a distraction for you. you. This is your path. The guy walked away. Jesus said, he's close. Almost. He almost got it. You ever feel like, you know, you know that, that you're in the right place if you're feeling that. You're never going to get it from understanding. There's not a bit of information that's going to make it work. 
But you look back and you notice, oh, wow, why didn't blow up there? You know, that kid crying over there didn't irritate the living snot out of me today. I'm doing pretty good today. You know what I mean? That's not a, that's not a slam at crying babies. I, you know, I, I, this happened to me, and I didn't go this direction today. I, that temptation was just a little less strong in my life today, you know. You, you just notice the transformation. That's when you know you caught it. You notice it. It's like a mustard seed. And I'm telling you, we're going to talk about seed because it's just what it is. You do, the, you do the stuff of getting the word in you. You go to church. You have Bible study. You do all the stuff for the purpose of tilling up your heart to let the kingdom grow within it. It's like a mustard seed which a man took, planted in his garden. Your, your heart is the garden in which the kingdom is planted. Mark 4. Uh, it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched. See, when I hear it grew, I'm thinking this mountain, that was ca- this rock that was cast in the earth, it's a kingdom, it's growing, it's increasing. Well, it's growing through me. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, I wish I could parallel this. Let's see what the kingdom of God is like. Let's say it's like, it's like yeast, right? That a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the whole dough. That is the principle that I see. We'll let God take care of the yeast of the kingdom being rolled into all of the fabric of creation unto the restoration of all things. What we'll focus on is letting that kingdom be kneaded and rolled into our hearts, first experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy, and then external fruit as well. That's why fasting comes into play. Fasting is not to get power over greater demons. It looks like that because when you fast, you become more sensitive on the inside. You walk in more of the power you already have. Needing. What does that look like? What does it look like for you to sit and behold Jesus and desire only what he desires for you? And that's really the final thought. And this is the thought that I'm going to probably, every message is going to come down to this idea. And that is, you know, it's, it's a hard concept to explain the will of God. It's pretty clear what it is. He wants us to live, you know, it's like, don't be getting drunk. Just sleep with your own wife. Don't be doing this. You know, I mean, that's pretty clear, right? There are those things that are part of his will. But there's also this collaborative aspect of you walking with him, stopping for the one in Kathmandu. That, that, that's... You can't put a pinpoint on what the will of God is for you that day, but if you're with him and you're walking with him, you're going to follow it. You're going to walk right into it and never even think twice about it because you just you've let that kingdom be needed into your heart. How do you yield yourself to the presence of God to the point that it actually changes your life? How do you do that? I know how I do it. I get alone. I put on some music, and I worship. Or I'll walk out in nature, and I'll stand barefoot, and I stare at a tree. I'm telling you, it does it for me. I start looking at this tree, and I start thinking, what's that tree doing? Look how big that thing is. What did it do? It just stood there. You know? I mean, 
And then, and then, this, and then it's like, oh, oh, look, I'm focused on him. Then you just start to feel bigger on the inside. Then you start to feel like, well, okay, there's some hope rising up. I'm not wanting to go follow this temptation right now. I'm wanting to let this peace rule and reign in my heart. That peace that rises up, it will guard my heart. And as it guards my heart, I'm not going to limit the kingdom. And as I let the kingdom grow, I'm going to act. And I'm telling you, we stop there. We don't act. When you get that inspiration, when that kingdom manifests, act. Do it. Because if you don't, you're capped. You're capped at an internal experience. But when you act on it, it grows even more. It grows even more. Then they're like, well, did you see what he did? I think I should. I don't know. Then, we, then we go, right? We challenge each other and provoke one another unto good works. And you let it grow in you. But you got you to gotta know your identity. It starts there. And then just letting it grow. That's my question for you. You know, is the kingdom increasing in you? Because it is increasing. You don't have to doubt that it's going to increase and take over the whole planet, whatever that looks like. But is it increasing in you? God's going to do his part. But don't miss out on what it could be like for you until then as well. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm excited to kind of keep going for a couple more weeks, and you know, we'll just see what that looks like. But I, I, I want you to, I'm going to make a meditation for you. I'm going to make a, like a thing where we go through Ephesians 3. And you, you're meditating on his glory, on being strengthened by his glorious riches. I'm going to work on that this week, and we'll have that ready next week, I think. May put it this week. But just show you some meditative things, how to take the word of God, let it come alive. And, and I'll put that out and send it as a link. If you're watching online, we'll make that available for you as well. Um, I could probably keep going, but I'm going to stop right there. Amen? Amen. Kingdom. Kingdom is increasing. Let it increase in you. Jesus, we thank you so much. We acknowledge you as Lord of all creation, even the unseen dimension into eternity and beyond. And anything that ever happens or exists, you are Lord. You're my Lord. You are my King. I acknowledge you right now as my Lord and my King. I want to lay down my own desires and my own will, and I only want to do that which you would lead me to do. But I know that it's a collaborative effort, and I get to enjoy the process. You know, if you're in here and you've never made that decision, just acknowledge in your heart, I don't really understand all this, but Jesus, what you did was for me. It's pretty simple. It begins a process. If that's a first-time thing for you, let us know. We have a package for you. But Jesus, we just to end, we just place all our attention on you. We recognize that you are that rock, having been cast into this earth, and your kingdom is increasing. And whatever it looks like, I engage my heart with you. I yield my mind to you. I give you my life so that I am participating, that you are flowing through me to increase your kingdom as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles 
that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.